Laserkrush.com Welcome to another edition of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast. We are your hosts, Jessica, and I am Chris Eaton. Hey, we are back together. First yes. time in a few months. Yes, this is your your ears are not deceiving you. Jessica is here with us today, and Jessica, what are we going to talk about? Ooh, I'm really excited. We are going to talk about the issue that came out this week. Uh, the week as we are speaking, we're like first, is it first week of September? Second week but, now, yeah. Oh, we're second week. Yeah. Look at that COVID time. Okay, <laughs> so it's uh, the first issue of Ultraman, The Rise of Ultraman, through Marvel. Yes, a very big deal indeed. Um, uh, considering the fact this is the first original Ultraman book being put out in America since the Harvey Comics uh Let's see, what did they call him? It was just Ultraman, and then Ultraman, the, I think it was the, the negative one. There was, there was two of them. That was the last time that uh, an American company published an original co- original Ultraman comic. There have been others since then. There was, um, Viz released uh, The Battle of the Ultra Brothers, and then uh, in the early 2000s, when Ultraman Tiga finally made it to air, there was that uh, Chinese comic, that made it out. In fact, uh, that's going to be something. I think we're going to do a episode on the episode later on down the road because I've been, I've been since since this was announced. I think last December. I think when you were out in Japan for Super Icon, weren't you? Yes, I was. Yeah, the first ever Super Festival. Yes. And I believe that's where they announced this book, wasn't it? They yes, they announced it there as well. And I think there was, I think, I can't remember where, the writer is Kyle Higgins. Mm-hmm. I do believe they also, them, him or Marvel, they spoke about it also on stateside as well. Okay. But I don't remember when that was. So, Kyle Higgins, who is coming off of a very epic run of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, kind of yes. in the same yeah. family. Not quite, the, I mean, there is, it is an Americanized version of Sentai. Um, and the first man since the great, the great, the late, great Dwayne McDuffie to write an American Ultraman story. Little, little trivia right there for you people. He actually wrote the, um, Ultraman, uh, Towards the Future tie-in comic for Harvey Comics. I, I know that because I went out of my way to reacquire those books, which turns out not as cheap as they once were. And to my surprise, I opened up and there's Dwayne McDuffie's name. I'm like, oh, there's a... That right there is the stamp of quality, even even if it was like a just a quick paid gig for the man. Yes. And so, no, it's really awesome. And that's just such footsteps for Kyle to, you know, follow after. But he did such a great run in the Power Rangers over at, at Boom. Absolutely. I've, I've taught, when that book was coming out, 
uh, I was saying it was quietly the best book on the sh- on on the shelves at that point. Like people were talking about it, but they weren't like there wasn't like a huge rave about it. But like the writing was fantastic. It was that natural progression. Like the book, the, the Kyle took that book, took those characters, and kind of grew grew them up to follow the people that grew up with those characters. If you're following what I'm saying. Yes. Yes, it is. And especially if you love Tommy. Mm-hmm. It is very good. Tommy, I mean, for my generation, Tommy was my Chuck Norris. He was my generation's Chuck Norris. He was the bad MFer that we all wanted to be. I don't think there was a kid of any shape, size, race, or, race or creed uh, during, you know, that fourth grade year that Power Rangers came out, when Tommy showed up, you're like, that's the man right there. That dude is the dude. We all want to be like this dude. Why? Because he was badass. He did that sweet jump kick. He had that. Ro- he rocked a ponytail better than anybody could ever rock a ponytail. <laughs> and he got the cool costume with the, the shield on it. He played the flute. And he had the Dragon Zord, which essentially was just a big Godzilla robot. He was awesome. And not only that, but uh, when you get older and you realize, oh, yeah, like, he was also quite the ladies' man. He didn't have one. He ha- he got with both Pink Rangers. That right there is why you strive to be Tommy. That's, uh, <laughs> he, he's he's what we call a jack-of-all-trades. Oh, so, my goodness. Yes, and Kyle did great things with that character. He introduced Lord Draken, who has become a, a focal point of Ranger's lore. If anything, I would argue that that Ranger book became bigger than the actual shows that Saban was putting out at that time. Like, people like that, there's a high standard. And even the art was fantastic. So, to have him launch, because this is part one of a five-part miniseries, which I believe is going into a bigger book, like an ongoing after this. I think that's, I believe that's what the press release said. So Kyle is setting the stage uh, with this new Ultraman. Now, coming on the tales of, see, 77, 80, 90, 2007, 43 years after Marvel published uh, the very first American Godzilla comic. So they've kind of come full circle now. They've now had both. Ironically, we can't have, they don't have the rights to Godzilla now, but. It would have been cool like they had them both going on the same time, especially the fact that I don't know, Jessica. You are much you are much more steeped into the comic industry right now. It's it's things are a little awkward, but Marvel hasn't really been doing licensed books lately, have they? Not not as much. No, I think they're definitely concentrating on the features of their X Men books and a few of their other properties, like what they plan on doing for Fantastic Four and moving on for there. Because I do believe what they need to, they are concentrating on the characters that they already have now that have an established fan base or a fan base that misses them. Mm -hmm. So that's what they've been doing. But it is definitely a feat that Marvel had both, well, currently has one, but they had both of the two large properties to come out of Japan. And when I saw that Kyle Higgins was writing it, I remember thinking, makes perfect sense Mm -hmm. and they found a really great guy they just they got the right one to do it yes sometimes you need that 
you just need the right person to launch the, to launch a property. Uh, I, you know, I think I can say it now. Then it's been like almost like eight years since. But like when IDW announced, hey, we got the Godzilla license and we're gonna launch the series. And we got Eric Powell. I'm like, oh, the guy that does the goon. That that sounds like a good match. And then you read those first couple of issues. You're like, oh, yeah, maybe not. <laughs> Again, nothing against Eric Powell, because I love The Goon. It's a fantastic book. But it felt like, hey, you got cred. Help us launch this thing. And it, you know, it, the IDW book kind of took a minute to take off. But once it got flying, it got flying. It was great. Uh, they eventually really stretched, you know, they stretched out and really got going on it uh, before, you know, things happen and, the, you know, they don't. They don't publish the books anymore. So, again, finding the right person uh, is crucial. And Higgins, uh, as we're going to delve into this book, I think, yes, as Jessica says, is the right person, the right man for the job. And not only that, but it, it does feel like a weird time. Comics are in like a weird flux right now. Just outside of uh, COVID going on and really nearly crippling the comic industry. I mean, uh, between March... And May, it was touch and go there for a while. Like, it, it felt like, are we going to survive this? Like, not only that, but, like, there was the whole incident between Diamond and DC, which, uh, I th have we even really felt the ramifications of that yet, Jessica? I do know that there are retailers that are not pleased. Mm -hmm. So I believe that at least with ramifications there, definitely – Retailers feel it and customers can feel it as well, especially since curbside pickup is already a thing. And yeah. there are others currently, like myself, I do not go out to pick up my comics. They're either shipped to me or or brought you know, to me. I mean, I think I have to pick up some comics next week. But as I'm saying this, mm -hmm. right, but most of the time everything is uh, being shipped to me and others – who are like, you know what, as a customer, I don't want to hear any more about this retailer Diamond DC thing. I just want my comics. They're going straight through Comixology. And they're going just trying to find other ways to read it digitally. Yeah. I, so they're not even trying to bother it. And for them, they also, it's that it's the simplicity of that plus COVID reasons. So, yeah, it yeah, I can see that there's definitely a spiral. That is not helping. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's sad that this book is being released in a very weird um, moment in history. But I got to give him credit on this. Um, the fact that Marvel is doing a licensed book like this, considering that they're not doing much, they haven't done much in a while, because as Jessica said, they're focusing on their characters. They're actually focusing. I mean, recently they acquired both Alien and Predator through the um, through Correct. Disney's purchase of Fox. Now, you know, so they're bringing them in. Uh, they've been riding the Star Wars train since I think what 2015. Yeah. And by all means, those Star Wars books have been absolutely phenomenal. Like people have been saying, like if it, if any good came out of Disney buying that that property, it's been the Mandalorian and the Marvel comics. Yes. So, yes. color me surprised by this. I mean, again, uh, for me, like, I have not, 
physically bought uh, a Marvel book going on four years now. Uh, personally, I, I, I kind of got fed up with a lot of their gimmicks, a lot of the stuff that they were pulling, the constant resets. Like, for me, it was just like, I'm, I'm, I'm done. I'm washed of it. I actually hadn't bought a physical books on, uh, up until the day after Christmas when I picked up uh, Kill Lock by Livio Ramondelli. Which is a fantastic book. If, you, if you're out there and you like robots, go pick it up. That's just my personal thing. Uh, so, Marvel made me break my streak by <laughs> offering us Ultraman. And I gotta give it to them. This was a fantastic setup. It's, uh, <laughs> when I went to pick it up and they're like, yeah, there'll be seven bucks. I'm like, wait, what? And realizing, oh, this is, a this is not your normal, uh, first issue. It's actually, it's double thick. It's, I think it's 64 pages. It's a thicker one. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, it is. And, uh, much like the Marvel machine, Jessica, how many covers were there for this thing? There are nine covers. God damn it. There are nine covers. The, you know, you thought they would have learned from the early 90s when they pulled that crap with the X-Men books. And I understand retailer incentive covers. That's a thing. That's been helping people out. Nine covers, though. Do you really need nine covers, Jessica? Uh, no, I think for the average people, they are they're okay with just the one, two. Yeah. One or two, like the variant and the the regular cover, mm-hmm. right? Cover A and cover B, and how, the variant. How so. many covers? Now, how many covers do you have right now? I believe you and I collectively, because as you all know, Chris also helped me out because he actually goes out, so he grabs a lot of them. Mm-hmm. He, he and I totally, we do have nine. <laughs> we have all nine. Oh, we have fantastic! All nine covers. So you found yes. the last two then. Yes, yes, we yeah. have all nine covers collectively as a joint effort between Chris and I. So, so we do have all nine covers. Yes, I chose the um, the uh, 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 got uh, Alex Ross cover. Because, okay, yeah, classic, of course. Because, of course. because it's Alex Ross, he's royalty in in the comic industry. Uh, there was was it McGinnis that did McGinnis did one of the what one of one one of fifty covers. Yes, it was Ed McGinnis and Matthew Wilson. There was a Scotty Young cover. Mm-hmm. There Which was is the UG. cute little one. It was yes, it's so cute. It's a chibi Ultraman fighting against. Um, is it uh, uh, Belmar? I think yes. Yeah, I don't have it in front of me. Yes, yeah, I, I think didn't it's touch it because I didn't want my finger oils to get on it. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah. which 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 what I'm curious. Which book did you decide to open to read? Oh, uh, I did the blank cover. Which one? The blank, the sketch. Oh, okay, the sketch cover. Blank. Yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um. Yes, I got that one. So, between yeah, so I be, between the two of us, yeah, we have all nine, which is insane. Which, but it's a launch book, so all right, cool. Um, and Jessica's only you, you only you'll you probably only ever read that one book too, right? Yes, yes, I'm only gonna <laughs> touch and read this one. Uh, the other ones are going to stay in its in its special little homes. This is why Jessica is the go-to girl for comic books. She is very she's deadly serious about about her books. So like when I I, I hit her up, I'm like, hey, I'm I'm at, I'm at my show. Uh, I'm picking up. Do you need me to pick up any Ultraman books? And it was just like find everything. I'm like, okay, yes, because again, <laughs> I'm I'm the emissary going out like. 
I told my comic guy, he's like, what do you, he's like, do you need, you need more Ultraman? I'm like, I need every Ultraman you have. He's like, all of them? I'm like, yes, all of them. He's like, I got kind of an expensive one. I'm like, just, I need it. He's like, okay. <laughs> so he, he tossed him up and he's like, it's going to be this much. I'm like, I, I got it, man. Thank you. He's like, why do you need so many? I'm like, because... Uh, there is a, uh, there's, there's a, uh, comic book power mad girl that, uh, is demanding her, uh, her, uh, her, her complete collection. That way, you know, it's like have, it's like Sonic obtaining all, all the chaos emeralds. Only then can you, you know, reach maximum power. Oh my gosh. I, I wash my hands and I wear gloves and this was pre COVID. <laughs> so post COVID, I just don't want fingerprints on my stuff. That's post true. You... Post COVID is, I don't know who coughed on my comics. That's true. So, all right, let's dig into the comic real quick. Let's, let's, let's review this book, Jessica. Yes, let's do it. And before I forget, uh, they do have a license out. They are doing the Warhammer 40 K comics. Okay. So that's the other one that they're doing right now. Yeah, yeah, okay. they have that one, and I might be missing a couple, but I have COVID brain All right. currently. But 40K is another one, mm-hmm. so if you all want to, you guys can do that. But I wanted to correct myself before I forgot. Okay, fantastic. So let's jump into The Rise of Ultraman, number one of five. This is uh, a very thick book. It is about 64 pages, and I... You know, we, it's pretty much the, the the beginning. So we start off with 1966, and uh, we get a very familiar face, but it is not that of Shin Hayata. It is Agent Moroboshi, who, by the way, if you are not, if you're listening to this and you don't know a lot about Ultraman, is the greatest Ultraman, Ultra Seven. And sure enough, they uh, they introduce the fact that Seven accidentally destroys Moriboshi's ship, and in doing so, he's like, "Damn, my bad. I will save your life." And thus, uh, we get a setup of poss- the possibility of Ultra Seven to come, which already like, okay, you sold me. I had no idea they had the rest of the of the Ultra Brothers. So I'm like, all right, cool, I'm in. I don't, I don't care. Like this, the rest of this book could have just been people making fart noises with their hands, like drawn that way. All the, and then all of a sudden, Ultraman comes out and does like a wacky dance. I'm in. It doesn't matter. So then we hop to modern day, where this is where we get into the thick of things. Where we're in 2020, we're introduced to uh, i got the book right here in front of me what is her name it is kiki it's kiki kiki thank you yes it's 2020 with no masks so just live in this fantasy world and uh yes and then yeah and she's on the way to work yes and we're already introduced to essentially like a super high-tech secret organization version of the science patrol uh yes yes the usp yes the united science patrol excuse me yes and pretty much we just it gives us a lay of the land. Uh, Kiki's fairly new at her job. Uh, we see that these people aren't screwing around, but we're not quite sure what they're... Well, if you know the lore already, you know what's coming. But for those who are the uninitiated, like, okay, so there's there's things... Because they keep redacting. They're, they're slowly giving you in the... In the... Um, in, the uh, in the boxes that, that lay out the... Um, the... the 
not the di- oh, what are they uh, what are they called like like terminology Thank like you. what what K rays are and everything and also uh, Kyle Higgins and um, you know Francesco Mana and also even the letterer which is Ariana Mahar they were good at whiting out certain words in the terminology boxes yes. they're they're pulling it for this it's a hip for the, yeah. I mean, it's the gimmick that Tarantino used in Kill Bill whenever someone said Beatrix Kiddo's name. So, and they're like, no, no, you will wait until we reveal it to you. Yes. Yes. And for those who don't already know, uh, this is a spoiler, possible spoilers episode. True. So I'm hoping you've all read this book as, as it, you know, it, you've all gone out and picked it up if you can. Um, it, if you it, have not, we're talking about it. Yes. So pretty much it's Kiki's first main, like, the, she still doesn't understand her, the whole reason she has the job. There's a little bit of secrecy. There's a there is a need-to-know basis, especially with her captain. They are on assignment at a, uh, at a meatpacking factory, it looks like. And this is where we're introduced to our first kaiju, which, isn't, which was surprising because it's not, it's not a big one. It's a little guy. It's a little guy, yes. And she's one of those who wants to eagerly move up in her position. Mm-hmm. She was denied. Emergency came. She was then thrown into action. Yes. And then not only that, but as they're ambushed by... So you guys have to to bear with me. Um, like I, I have a good knowledge of Ultraman, but I lose track of the monsters very easily. Like uh, There's a bunch of them that are, that are outside my purview that I'm like... Damn, I forgot the name. I forgot the name of this this one. I'll look it up as we're talking. But uh, the fact that it's human size, I don't believe it was human size in the original show. But then again, I'm pretty sure someone's yelling at me. It's like, do, do you know? Like, no. Again, Godzilla is our forte. Ultraman is the dessert that we enjoy every once in a while. Um, and this is where we are introduced to the... Hero of the book, Shin Hayata, the dashing hero version of him. Uh, much more dashing than the original one. Uh, if anything, he kind of reminds me of Keith from uh, Voltron. Were you getting this vibe uh, as well, Jessica? Yes, yes. They even, uh, yeah, very much so. Very Keith with a little bit of Shiro thrown in. Yes, I was going to say that. They even, actually, her commander has the white streak. Yes, he does. There, there are nice, subtle nods to a lot of like Japanese anime and took us out to pop culture. Uh, pop culture kind of just, just sprinkled through this. <clears throat> so we learned that Shin is there, uh, and he's not supposed to be because he don't have clearance. Uh, he failed out of uh, joining the Science Patrol. And uh, he's getting uh, talking down, even though he's the guy that apparently developed a lot of the tech that they are using today. But apparently he's brash, Jessica, because what hero is never brash? That's true. That is true. There's and never he's a hero. Also cheeky. Can you? Kiki. T- I mean, can you name me a hero that plays by the book? No. Well, no. I was gonna say Woody from Toy Story, but. <laughs> That's why everybody finds him a boring old man. Mm-hmm. But then Buzz makes him break those rules. That's very true. Gets him to live a little. 
So pretty much uh, there's the, the cycle of shame for him being such a loser. He heads out to dinner with, with Kiki because he has to, you know, she has to talk him down because it's like, hey, look, you're part of this. You need to tell this guy to shove off and just leave us be to work. Even though he still isn't 100% sure, even though they, they, they allude that he knows about the kaiju. They, and this is where the, I mean, this is the thing with setting up a story. It's like, obviously it's the first issue. You can't get into everything quite yet. So we know that there are monsters and it looks like people, some people know about them, but at the same time, not a lot of people know about them. And even though apparently Shin doesn't know a lot about what's going on with this group, he knows that there are monsters out there and he builds weapons to uh, fight them if uh, push comes to shove. And uh, we get this nice little scene of uh, Shin kind of like, of course, the trope of anything, the hero has to question his integrity. Does he really have it in him, Jessica? Like, is he really good enough to be doing this job? Yes, I believe that he could be. And also, uh, I didn't get, I didn't want to interrupt you on your role, but oh, the yeah. kaiju was Telestan. Thank you. Thank you. This is... This this is why Jessica gets the big bucks. <laughs> um, I I was one of those people who um oh god this is gonna be horrible might as well just do a public confession I mean we're in times of COVID mm-hmm. I always rooted for the kaiju. That's part I mean that's I mean look that's that in, in our if you go back to like our second episode when we reviewed Pacific Rim oh god oh yeah it already <laughs> came out so you all know this yeah so uh, Jessica that was Jessica she's like. I liked it, but I was always rooting for the monsters. Yeah, I mean, Ultraman are great. I love them. They're all amazing. Mm-hmm. I have multiple figures and toys. Prefers the kaiju. Did you ever watch um, Ultra Galaxy? Yes. Okay, where the monsters are the are the heroes. Yep. So that I mean, it's actually one of the more fun, like Ultra series, and like the last. It, it led to that fantastic movie too, the Ultra Galaxy film. Which is something we're gonna have to like delve into one day because that is the greatest like Avengers. It, I think it predated the Avengers too, like uh, in terms of like team up movies. I would like to think many things predated. Mm. Well, I mean, yeah, especially big team up movies like that. But again, we we digress. So Shin and Kiki have a heart to heart and. As this is going on, something is entering our atmosphere and into Earth, and uh, we don't know what it is. So they go to uh, investigate. They are interrupted by Kiki's captain, and he pretty much says, look, uh, some stuff's going down. We need to investigate. Shin's like, should I leave? He's like, no, because, again, much like any action film, no time for backup. Yes, and earlier against the Telestan, he was hurt. Yes. So he's he's down an arm. Yes. So he's got his arm in a sling. It's just the two of them. They aren't even field equipped properly. So he's like begrudgingly, he's like, Shin, I need your help. Plus, I need you to, you know, I need you, pretty much I need your firing hand. And you kind of know what we're doing anyway. So and this is where we let in, like, the red orb. Now, if you know your Ultraman history... This is how Ultraman originally came to Earth. He came into Earth in this red meteor-looking thing. And that's when the, allude back, the captain alludes back to 
this is the second one. I'm like, what? And he's like, there was one back in the 60s that landed that took, it killed one of our, uh, our early members. They're like, what? And Key's even like, I didn't even know about that. And he's like, yes, because it's on a need-to-know basis. So, they ascend down into the pit where the red, where this giant red meteor is hanging out at. And out of the lights comes Ultraman. The Ultraman we know. The Ultraman. And he's speaking his freaky Ultra language. Uh, unlike uh, when we talked about two episodes ago, the Gamma book, when they had the wacky alien language, and they gave you the little decoder um, in the back to figure out what the hell the, the alien chick is saying, which really wasn't much. It was just like, hey, kids, here's a way to kill 10 minutes. Uh, none of that in this. So Ultraman is trying to communicate with the humans. They don't understand. Shin is told to fire. Where uh, Ultraman coming out of the meteor is blasted by this uh, this like this ray gun that he has, and Shin immediately is like, "Oh, I screwed up." And Ultraman is like, "Hey, I get it. You can understand what I'm saying. It's cool, man, but uh, I need some help from you because you done screwed up. So we need to make things right." And they have an ET moment where they touch fingers. And there's a blinding white light, and then to be continued. So pretty much it is a new retelling of the origin. It's a, pretty much it's part one of like the first act of a TV show. So this was like a modern take on Ultraman. We just kind of saw it. They're not really deviating too far from the source material. They just kind of updated it for the times. Now, Jessica, let's talk about the art of this section of the book. Yes. So the artist is, oh, I had it, I had it right here, because I turned the page because Francesco I am, Mana. and okay, yes, thank you. Um, fantastic artwork. It's it is kind of reminiscent of the style that was done uh, in um, Kyle's uh, Power Rangers run. Like there, there's a there's a similar. It's not exactly the same, but there's a certain similarity. I don't think he, they didn't uh, they didn't work on that, did did they? I should have. This is why I need to be doing more uh, a little more pre pre uh, pre show uh, setup because then I ask I ask my own question tonight that I cannot answer. But the artwork is fantastic, especially in this day and age where. Art can be very iffy. Uh, this looks great. Uh, I don't know, Jessica, what do you think? I really liked it. I enjoyed the art a lot. I think it was really well done for its first book. It's like... It was, yeah, it's a great team. Usually when you see a cover, regular or variant, mm -hmm. and it's gorgeous, and then you open up, and the art inside is trash. Yeah, there's a lot of indie books like that. It is the comic book equivalent of watching a great cartoon in the 80s, and you see that opening that grabs you. You're like, oh, man, like, this is going to be awesome. And then you watch the actual episode, and it is, the opening is not indicative of any of the content you are about to see because all the budget was blown into that opening. Yes. So, Very much so. Again, it, I, I, again I've not picked up... Um, Spider-Man book in, in in a while. I've not picked up a, an Avengers book in a while. 
there was a point though where it was like even I was kind of like unless it was like Umberto Ramos or um God, I, I couldn't even really tell you anybody that really stood out at Marvel. I mean, who's who's working at Marvel right now? There are so oh my god, there's just so many people to like name. Oh my god. Oh well. I think Umberto was like probably the well. Who's doing the um? Who's doing the uh, Higgins X Men books? Do you know that right now? Uh, Higgins is X Men. Oh my gosh. You're asking me all kinds of questions. I know. I feel like I feel like a bastard. My COVID <laughs> brain, because I know Nick Spencer and Patrick Gleason is doing quite a bit, along with Matthew Rosenberg and Draco Vicentini. There you go. That's. That's look at this, ladies and gentlemen. I'm going to let you in a little behind the curtain on this one. We're recording this at 2:37 in the morning, so not only are we, you know, like this just have COVID break, we're, we're we're also like running a little bit on gas. Like the gas is getting a little low on this one. So, um, but yes, so she's look at that drop in knowledge right there, 2:30 in the morning, like it's nothing. There is there is quite a bit. I know that they have like Dan Slot, Sean uh is it Cassie, I wanna say Philip Tan is doing a cover mm-hmm. for Web Web of Venom. Mm-hmm. So there's quite a bit of artists and writers currently right now. And I know right now one of their big things is X of Swords. Which is, that- is a huge crossover with Jonathan Hickman. Okay. And yeah. Yeah, see, I have not stepped foot into Like, someone was explaining to me, like, Venom is a big thing right now. I'm like, really? Venom? I'm like, yes. Yeah, it's a huge yes. storyline. I'm like, is it concerning Null? They're like, oh, yeah, that's... I'm like, oh, okay, so they're still doing that thing. I'm like, it shows you how far out I've I've gotten with a lot of this stuff. So, we, so we're done with our first story, but the book is not done yet, Jessica. It is not. That's why it's a thicker book. Because we get our first uh, mini-comic, Kaiju Steps, with a very cute-looking pigman. And it pretty much just... It, I don't know. Jessica, you, 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 this is your department. Cute. I do love the chibi art, and the art was really, really well. Um, they are like these little Kaiju Steps. It's called Kaiju Steps. And the art is by Girahiro. Mm-hmm. I, I don't... I apologize if I pronounce it. Again, all the stories in the book are written by Kyle Higgins and Matt Groom. Mm-hmm. So it's the same writer team. The artwork is different. Um, the main story is Francisco Mana, though. And this one is kind of just like a small little short stories that kind of give you an insight into some of the one of the kaijus and what their powers are. So that is the first one actually, and then we hop into. So I was a little, I was a little taken back. I'm like, oh, Ultra Seven is going to be in this book. Then they pulled this, and I was just like, okay, this is nothing but joy right here. There's a backup comic that is clearly setting up the backstory for the uh, the science agency. Yes. And Jessica, what is it called? It's called Ultra Q. Ah! Yes, and it opens up in Paris in 1954, right after our little cute little Pidgemon short. Oh, and this is magnificent. Like, I'm like, are, are you, like, much like when uh, 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 Grandma Tarkin turned around 
in uh, Rogue One. I'm just like, are you kidding me? Like, I open this, I'm like, get the hell out of here. I'm like, sold. Brilliant. And not only that, but it's keeping in tone with... It's done in a sepia. Like, it's colored sepia, so it looks black and white. Yeah, it's it's in a black and white. It's a very muted dark gray tone. Just to just to remind you that it's in 1954. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's noir. It's noirish, much like the show was. And yes. but it's not being told. It's it's following. It looks like it's following the the basic feel of the show, not the formula of the show. It, this looks like is the backstory of how. Uh, the science agency came came to be because we're following two people that are hunting something in France, and it turns out the thing that they're hunting is Bemular, the first yes. kaiju that yes. Ultraman's are fighting. Yes, and well, he's and that's like really cool. Yeah, and Michael Cho does great artwork. He does. He really does. This is and not only that, it's cool. But here's the other thing: he's not giant. These, yeah, I would say he's like eight foot, but. He's not this giant monster that we were accustomed to seeing Ultran fight. So, so clearly they're setting up something with this. The fact that these monsters have been around and secretly have been around for a while. Because as our two main characters try to fight this thing, as they fight Bimlar and end up knocking him into uh, one of the canals, uh, we, they're greeted by three Frenchmen who turn out they were also hunting Bimlar too. And they're like, it's, it's, that, it's like that moment in... Um, in Kingsman 2, where they find out there's a an American, like, yes. Kingsman. Yes. Yes. And they're like, we should just team up, and let's do this. Exactly. And I'm just like, oh, cool. They're giving us the backstory of, um, of the Science Patrol. And not only that, but in Ultra Q fashion, they leave it on a cliffhanger that things are not exactly as they seem when uh, one of the, uh, the French members... Turns out she might be an alien as she's projecting a image of a uh, of a formless man and she's communicating with him and uh, gets caught by one of her comrades and uh, has to put him down. So you're like, oh, so the the plot thickens. Uh, this 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 caught me by again caught me by surprise. Absolute joy, absolute absolutely nothing but joyfulness out of me. Like she's like, oh. I can't believe they pulled that off. So, do we get one more uh, kaiju steps again? Yes, with little Pidgeon. It's our it's our little chibi one page. Mm-hmm. And then we get the splash page of Things to Come, done by uh, Kyle McGinnis. And uh, we actually get to see Bemular in his normal form. We get an awesome shot of Ultraman. We get... Uh, uh, the Science Patrol outfits. We get Ultra, Ultraman and Ultra Seven locking arms in combat, and yes, uh, uh, and it's just telling. You, it's like it, this. This right here feels old school Marvel, like 19, late sixties, early seventies Marvel. When they're like, you know, like they would like tune in for like you, you could feel the Stan Leeism coming off. It's oozing off the page where it's like things to come, true believer, like. You know, stick around because it's as dynamic as you can make it be. And it's this wonderful splash page that uh, Ed McGinnis does, and it's really great. Ed, I've, I've always had a soft spot for Ed McGinnis. I've always liked his very, like, 
I don't. He's always felt like uh, he like he's definitely a um, a, a product of the Art Adams uh, style. Like he clearly, like much like um, J. Scott Campbell, clearly kind of like took a little bit from Art Adams too. Like Ed McGinnis did and made it made it made that style his own. Uh, it works perfect for this. Uh, I, I in fact. Uh, I, I actually am a big fan of his him of his run on uh, Red Hulk. I know a lot of people hate that book. I actually love it. I love Red Hulk, and I really liked Superman Batman. Oh, Public Enemies is a magnificent. I again, I know Jeff Loeb gets a lot of flack, but he wrote some fantastic stuff back then. And I do again, I, I can't praise much like I will defend the clone saga because it was the Spider-Man that I jumped into as a kid, even though it's a convoluted mess. Um, I will go to my grave defending that and, and Ben Riley being probably my preferred Spider-Man. It may be Kane Parker now. And I will defend Ed and Jeff's run on Hulk. I absolutely love that run. I have all six volumes back here. Like I'm staring at them right now. I love the artwork on them. I loved everything that he did. I love the wackiness of Red Hulk. I know there's a lot of people retching into their trash cans right now listening to this because they're like, how? I'm like, no, no. Go to hell. I love Red Hulk. So... Uh, it's great to see. Uh, it's great to see that. Uh, just and, and we end on one more little kaiju steps. <clears throat> yes, yes, we end on a little kaiju step with also with Pidgemon again and Cadet Pierre. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it's kind of like a cute little a cute little story As that he's... they always do. It's, it's like something that Cadet Pierre learns mm-hmm. every time about kaiju through Pidgemon. Yes. And he gets tucked in. It's a perfect way to properly end this book. Yes. And then the next thing is we actually have the next issue, which kind of gives us a look into, we'll see Kiki, and we'll also see Gamora. Gomorrah? Not Gamora. Yes. Gomorrah. He actually looks pretty badass here. Yeah, he does. He does. Look at the art on this one. Hold on. I'm pulling up the splash page. I don't see who did the art on that last page. Ultra Q, Ultra Catch Your Steps, Better. Wow, I don't think that. I don't know who. I can't tell whose art that is. It's fantastic, though. It's actually it's quite amazing. Like I and I feel like a jackass because I know later on I'm like, oh, it's that guy. Um, but yeah, this is actually, I think this is the cover for issue two. That's a fantastic cover. Yes, like, the for issue two, the interiors are done by Francisco Mana, and the cover art is Jorge Molina. Okay. The, um, if that's his art right there, that that's that's astonishing. Like, I, I like, there, there are some pages I would I would love to own, like some original pages out of this book. This, altogether, this is a fantastic start. Um... There was a lot of people when I was picking up the book, they're like, oh, there's an Ultraman book? I'm like, yeah. They're like, oh, snap. When did they start that? It, it, the beauty was there was a lot of older dudes. They were like, yeah, that's that's the that's like the Godzilla I grew up with. I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. Like, These are guys in their like, late 40s, early 50s. Like, there's you, Marvel's doing an Ultraman book? I'm like, yeah. Oh, I, okay. Give, like Three guys behind me, they're like, oh, snap. I didn't even know that. Like, give, yeah, give me... Whatever cover you have, so kudos to Marvel. Like this, this was a fantastic launch. 
hopefully it's of greater things to come. Uh, I know there's a bit of an Ultraman renaissance going on here in America right now. Mill Creek is putting out those DVDs. I own half of them I, at this point. i got to pick and choose because it's just... There's so much, Jessica. There's there is. so there much. Is because variant covers next week will be by Arthur Adams, Ooh. Masa Yukigato, and Art Germ. Oh, Stanley Lau. Oh, yes. I'm a big fan of that man. I love that guy's art. I have a few of his prints hanging in my room right now. I'm actually staring at his... Um, he did a magnificent... Supergirl that was done in the um, excuse me the Bruce Tim style from um, Superman when she had the white shirt and the bangs like with the little um, yes with a blue skirt yes and the crop top I mean one of her two crop yes tops. her her original her original um, animated look like it it yes it just the animation she's got a headband on yes it's absolutely stunning I, I i picked it up at comic-con last year i'm just like i i have to have this like i'm a sucker for any of the dc animated stuff and he did a like he he just does stunning pieces so that's that's gonna be at the cover i'm gonna have to track down because i did see him on twitter the other day post like they let me do Ultraman. This is a big deal for me. He's like, he's my childhood hero. I'm like, all right, well, awesome. That just means you're going to get the best out of these people. So overall, Jessica, what did you think of the book? I liked it a lot. Um, I I am always, I'm a little, I was a little bit wary in the beginning because I'm always, it's very typical. It's not Kyle Higgins only. It's part of storytelling. One day when I write a story, I'm sure I, I might do the same thing. Where you always have that young, eager starter mm-hmm. who wants to be higher in the position than they are. Mm-hmm. Boy or girl, doesn't matter. And then they get the chance when they're just thrown in, mm-hmm. like into the deep end. But what was interesting is for those who don't, who are not familiar with Ultraman but want to give it a try maybe because they like the artist or the covers or it has Marvel's stamp of approval on it, Uh you for a moment think it's going to be her that like for a brief moment because i did have a friend who doesn't know much about ultraman he read it so he thought she was going to be one right one of the ultras Mm -hmm. because there are we know that women can be on the thing but it turned out to be it's her friend Mm -hmm. her friend that she kept missing dinners with and everything because apparently she was chosen into the program and he was not. However, and then you just find out it's him because like you said, an ET moment where he just looks right in and he was like, they have an understanding and forgiveness and then they merge mm-hmm. and it's not her commander. It's not her captain. So basically it's very interesting because for a brief moment it could have swung either way for those that are not familiar with the story. Yes. Um, however, I did really like it. I think it ended really well. I actually really, really liked Ultra Q a lot. Yes, that that was Ultra, the... Ultra Q was. I liked both stories, and I liked the little kaiju steps because they're so cute. Oh yes. But but I really liked Ultra Q. I really like backstories. <clears throat> so, so I, I'm, I really I'm gonna be curious. Origins of backstories. Yeah. I'm gonna be curious if all five issues are gonna be these double thick books. Which if they are, like, good, good. I mean, I'm, I'll, I'll gladly pay the... I think I'm looking at the cover price on it. It is $6 for this book. So if that's what they're going to give us, then fine. I, I will gladly pay that. So far, it's the only Marvel book I am buying. 
uh, DC managed to wrangle me with uh, the Batman Adventure Continues, which is Paul Dini, Alan Burnett jumping yes. back and ugh. yeah, like yeah, one... that will do that. Um, I believe the next issue is thirty-two pages. Okay, so they're going to the standard format next. Yes. Okay. So, all right. Well, cool. I mean, a double-sized issue to start off is never a bad thing. So, hopefully, this book does well. I would. I mean, would you recommend it to to everybody out there? I do. I do. If not for anything, you are. If you're listening, you're most likely here in North America or American. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to support something that really hasn't been seen here for a really long time. Mm-hmm. So, I would recommend it to pick it up, and especially. If it's something that you do love, if you know someone who loves Ultraman or Tokusatsu, that'd be great. Or maybe try something new from Power Rangers. If you like, if you're more familiar with Power Rangers, you may want to try this one. If not, if you're just an Ultraman fan, it is five issues, and you would definitely help push forward to Marvel to be. This would be a great ongoing as solo issues by itself something of a larger ongoing story it is, I mean look uh, I think I've said this several times in the past on this show I mean considering we're going I think is this recording this is our seventh anniversary Let's see 2013 yeah seven years oh my god Jessica where the hell did the time go <laughs> hold on I hold on a second I just had a I, I had a seizure just realizing that um but yeah, I've gone on in the past, like, again, it's like, Toho has jumped at many occasions to, like, yeah, get Godzilla. Godzilla is firmly rooted in pop culture out here, good or bad. Uh, the Legendary films really helped a lot. We've said a ton of stuff about Gamera. It doesn't seem like Kotokawa really has any plans, if any, to, to resurrect Gamera other than that little proof of concept thing that they did. But Ultraman was always the one I'm like, there is so much Ultraman out there, and hardly any of it is stateside at the moment. And this, um, we're going back a few years. Yes, yes, and Ultraman's great because you can you can pick and choose, kind of like Power Rangers. You yes. can go through all the generations and seasons if you want, or you can be like, I only enjoy Mighty Morphin. Mm-hmm. I only like Ninja. I only like Dino. You have different ones that you could go into, and you can. I have friends who are like, look, I only like Tiga, I only like Q, I only like Gallus. Like, you can be able to choose. You don't just like Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You can watch all of it. Yes. Or you could pick the specific. I'm gonna say era mm-hmm. that you like, right? And then go with that one. So I felt like Ultraman is great for that. Well. I mean, I, part of it now, knowing is is um, the Chayo stuff, now that that's been cleared up. Yes. Um, and I'm glad to see that Subaraya is finally seeing, like, yeah, we can make a move. We can make a move into the American market. It does, there is a hankering for this stuff. Like, people want it. I, I'm, I'm assuming the Mill Creek releases are doing very well for themselves. I mean, they're in major retailers. I've been buying mine from... Um, Best Buy for the most part. I've seen them at Walmart, which is uh, mind-blowing in many aspects. Um, they are, you know, they're available for streaming. We have the Netflix show that's uh, based on the manga. It's, uh, season 2 should be coming very soon, by the way. 
Uh, and now we're, we got a, a book, not by and not by a small publisher, by Marvel of all people. Like to this, yeah. I, I'm still kind of astonished that they picked this thing up and are are running with it. I I, I know they're not going to, but. Deep down, Jessica, there's a part of me that kind of wishes that, or hopes, hopes that, I know they're going to do it in this run, I want I want the wacky adventures that Godzilla had with the Marvel Universe. <laughs> I want Ultraman, I want Ultraman, like, not directly fighting the Avengers, but give me some interactions. I want them to kind of meld it even if it's just a one shot somewhere off i know that one of the covers is spider-man hanging on ultraman's shoulder no no i want i want the like give me like give me a limited series where it doesn't have to really be in canon it doesn't matter i just want him hanging out with spider-man give me him hanging out with hulk having a conversation with iron man Fighting Doombots, fighting, give me him fighting Fing Fang Foom, the going to Monster Island, fighting the Mole Man. I want the Ultra Brothers fighting freaking um, Groot species. Give me all the, give me Ultraman fighting everything that Jack Kirby cranked out at a, a below average pay in the 1950s just so he could put food on his family's plate. I want. All of that. Even if it's just a giant one-shot where each individual page is Ultraman just blasting something from the Marvel Universe. For the love of God, give me that. Oh my gosh. That's what I want. Ultraman, you know what? If him (laughs) and I see Devil Dinosaur together on the same page. Oh! (laughs) Look, they did it in Godzilla. That 70 cent gave us Godzilla and Devil Dinosaur. Give me this. I know they just did that Monsters Unleashed run, like, a, what, yes. two years ago? Yes. Crossover with that. Crossover with that kid kaiju character that they made up. Do play. I hope to God that they do more with that. I eat, Again, Ultran can be in his own little pocket, published by Marvel. Give me a one-shot something. I don't care. An omnibus something where he interacts with the Marvel Universe. Because... If done properly, even if done the way that Doug Mensch and, and Herb Trimpey did back in 1978, it would be one of the most spectacular things out there. It Look, is. And you know what? And since they've got Warhammer 40K, mm-hmm. if some weird thing happens and you just got the weirdest crossover of all time and Warhammer was like, hey, let's just go for it. Why not? Look, if back and in the, Alien and Predator came, yes. that would make 2025 amazing. There, there's a strong possibility. I mean, <clears throat> under the Marvel banner right now, they have Ultraman, they have Star Wars. Give me a Star Wars Ultra, uh, one shot <laughs> where he ends up in a galaxy far, far away. Just make it an alternate universe, and he shows up. And he deals with some Jedi or runs afoul of a particular bounty hunter. I don't care. Give me it all. I will shell out my hard-earned money to Marvel. Like, I will break my <clears throat> my hinge and say, okay, you've earned it. Get, like, go ahead. Give us the, the, the dignified Ultraman run. But every once in a while, you toss me a bone of something wild and wacky that you guys used to pull back in the 70s. I want it all. 
Give oh it all to me. Oh my god, if he met Modok. Oh! Ultraman teaming with 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 Mr. Fant or with Mr. Fantastic to solve like a uh, like a, a like a going to the negative zone together. Give me Ultraman and the Ultra Brothers going to Attilan or uh, Attila up on the moon and dealing with Black Bolt and the Inhumans. Give me that. Give me Ultra Seven like taking on Black Bolt. Give me uh, freaking. Give me Ultraman. Uh, give like. Ultimate, like he could team up with the Guardians. He no, one better. He could team up with the Star Jammers. All of it, all of it, Jessica. <laughs> Endless possibilities. Endless. I was gonna say the Legion of Monsters, but that would be it. It would be. It would be insane. Again, and then we, just, just uh, I don't know how they would just bring back just. They don't have to be canon. They could be as ridiculous and stupid as Marvel versus DC All Access. It, you know it, what? I, if, I will if, eat it if up. If Superman, Batman had an Alien Predator crossover comic, anything is possible. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Give it to, like I like I know Marvel's been very particular about like the Star Wars. Give me cross cross it all over. Cross it all over. You have the ability to. And even if Super Eye says no, just do it anyway. Like, just give me all the wackiness. <laughs> I will continue to buy the main book, but every, like, two months, you give me a one. Remember about two, three years ago, uh, DC had the brilliant idea to cross over their characters with uh, the Looney Tunes and the Hanna-Barbera characters? Heck yeah, the covers were epic. Oh, the Batman Elmer Fudd thing by, uh, um, who was that? That was, um, who's writing Batman right now? Um, Tom King. Tom King. Tom King did that. God bless Tom King because he made that work. And in many ways, I, I want, I want Warner Brothers, Warner Animation to turn that one shot into an animated movie. I want to see Elmer Fudd and Batman like have a drink over Silver St. Cloud. Like just that it's so ridiculous but it worked on so many levels. You can find somebody at Marvel that can manage this. Jessica, one even better. I just came to my mind. Oh my gosh. This this is you give me Ultraman teaming with the freaking Japanese Spider Man. It it they can do it. It can happen. Give it to me. Oh All the goodness. money. All the money. All of it. I will gladly pay for a thick twenty dollar uh, graphic novel style one shot. If that's what if you can give me that. <clears throat> Toei managed to do it with Super Aya with freaking Common Writer, even as a goof. Marvel can make it happen here. Give me it all. <laughs> Could you imagine an Ultraman and like Gambit heist? Oh, I love it because the booty is Ultraman can change size too, especially Ultra Seven. Ultra Seven can you know be human size and it can be giant. You could do there, the possibilities are freaking endless. You could have that. You could have Conan. You could do whatever you like. Oh, th that's right. They got Conan back too, don't they? Yep. Oh, wait. On a side note, I know they got Predator back. I, they have Predator now. 
Uh, I need a Predator Conan crossover. Just for shits and giggles. Because I feel that that is something that Dark Horse denied me of all the insane Predator crossovers they did. I don't think they ever did a Predator Conan. And I need to see that form of brutality drawn on page. Find me anybody that can give me that that sort of like make it a make it a complete mature book. Like put it under I don't know, I'm just, Marvel doesn't even have a mature line right now, do they? No. No, they don't I have... was gonna say I mean they have mature books. But I'm getting off track here because now we're talking about Conan fighting Predator and aliens, and it's like people are like, I thought we were talking about Ultraman. It's like, yeah, but this is what happens when you're um, sleep deprived and delusional at 3 a.m. I mean, if you want to go super Asian, you got Shang Chi. You want to go animals, you got Werewolf by Night. You've got you've got all kinds of stuff. The beauty about Dark Horse is that they jumped on these things. They were willing to go all out. They were willing to work with other companies. They worked with DC. They gave us arguably arguably one of the greatest crossovers that had no right being this good, which was Batman versus Predator. I don't want to say that was a Doug Mensch book, too. Or maybe it was Chuck Dixon. i got to double check. But I, I'm looking at the Nika set right now with Batman in the armor and the Predator. Like, that first book was... Uh, amazing it had no right to be that good and yet it was <laughs> yeah that's very true uh god bless uh 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 dark horse because then they're like okay game on we're doing all the crazy crossovers the only one i'm still disappointed to this day that they never got to and they had both licenses was aliens and starship troopers like <laughs> i i've still called for them I'm like you had it and you didn't do it it was right there it was right there. So, uh, all right. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting myself worked up over something I'm probably never going to get. So, uh, Jessica. Uh, 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 you don't know this. We, the 2020 has taught me that anything can happen. Like, I already knew to live life to its fullest mm -hmm. and that you should never take crap for granted. Mm -hmm. But this year really was just the knife in my side yeah. that just reminded me of that. I mean, anything. I used to laugh two years ago that if you can get me Transformers crossed over with Harry Potter and G.I. <laughs> Joe throw in Batman, I would be, like, amazed. And then everyone's like, it's not going to happen. And now anything is possible. Well, to be fair, anything. when I picked up this book, Jessica, their IDW was putting out a Terminator Transformers crossover book. Yes, I mean, IEW is great on crossovers. It mm -hmm. relives my 80s childhood like no other. But, oh my god. <laughs> so kudos for Marvel. Uh, it, this was a great call. I, it's a good book, and I'm definitely in. But, again, like I'm putting it out there in the universe. You get, go nuts with this thing. Go as nuts as... While you have the property, go sick. You have it's you're one of the biggest. You have one of the most recognizable rosters of heroes and characters on the face of the planet. Ultraman needs to meet as many of them as possible. Even these will give it to any artist and, and any writer that is willing to come up with a great pitch. I don't care. I will pay you for it, and I guarantee other people will pay you good money for that. Like if tomorrow they're like, oh my god, you know, 
they announced like, hey, we're doing a, a Ultraman Incredible Hulk book, but they're not really going to fight. They're just going to they're going back in time to race Jesse Owens at the Olympics. I'm like, hey, I'm in, I'm in. I will, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll buy it. Like that. That's the level of lunacy I'm willing to go to. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it wasn't lunacy with Superman and Muhammad Ali. I mean, depending on whose point of view. So when you said Jesse Owens, I'm like, okay. <laughs> you throw in Babe Ruth in some sort of time travel Doctor Who stuff. And oh no, no, I know. I know. I'll, I'll tell you what the story is right now. Adolf Hitler, <laughs> because he's hosting the Munich Olympics, he needs to defeat Jesse Owens because he can't have the Americans win. Decides to open a portal, which he thinks is going to bring. Uh, it's a gate to hell, but it's actually just a gate to another dimension, and Ultraman and Hulk come through. And he forces them, like, he tricks them to defeat Jesse Owens. But Hulk's like, wait, no. Like, he's an American hero. But then, you know, Hitler's like, if you don't do it, I'm going to kill, like, Betty or someone. He's like, damn it. What am I going to do? And Ultraman's just like, I don't know. I'm an alien. I don't even know what's going on here. I guess I'm going to race. That you, that you have the three of them go at it. And, of course, Jesse Owens has to win. Because... It's history. That's very true. And you just have Hitler in the background, like on his podium, like clutching his fist and shaking at the fact that he his people are losing out his his regime is losing to Jesse Owens. I'm delusional as hell right now, Jessica. Let's wrap this up. <laughs> oh, oh God. All right. All right, Jessica. On that note, uh, where can people find more of our work? Yes, we are on Facebook on the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We are also on Twitter as the Kaiju Kingdom. And we are also, there's no podcast because we had a thing. Um, And we are found on all of the platforms where you can download and share our podcast. Every single one of them now. Uh, We're on Spotify now too. Spotify. Google Podcasts. I'm sorry, what? Google Podcasts. Google Podcasts. Mm Mm-hmm. So we are we are everywhere. Chris actually Chris names them off the top of his head better than I can. We are on whatever iTunes is calling them. I think it's Apple Podcasts now. Apple Podcasts, yes. Uh, Stitcher. Uh, yes. Google Podcasts, Spotify, and of course, um, as of this recording, you can find us on pantsrush.com. I say that because we have some big news. Jessica, what is that? We have a website. Yes. Finally, after like six years and people asking, it's like, why am I going to the site called Panzer Crush for it? Well, to be fair, that was an offshoot site that came out of an old um, news website I used to run. And uh, it would cover things that didn't exactly fit the style of the stuff we were covering on, on that original site. So it would be more my weird movies and a lot of like wrestling and martial arts stuff. So when uh, we launched this, I had I had Panzer Crush available, and that's what where it's been the host. But we are he- heeding the calls of a lot of people, like, hey, I'm looking up the KaijuKingdomPodcast.com, and there's nothing coming up. Well, it will be coming up soon. Um, as of this recording, this will be the last episode that will be hosted on Panzer Crush going forward. All of our episodes will be you, they'll still be on the same feed. You don't have to change your feed at all. But you can go to the KaijuKingdomPodcast.com and find new episodes there. On top of, <clears throat> excuse me, on top of that, we are also expanding our YouTube page as well. Uh, this is something Jessica and I have been working on for a little bit. 
<clears throat> excuse me, especially with COVID going on. So we're going to be introducing uh, a new, um, I don't want to, you call it a show or would you call it a bit? I think we call it a show on YouTube called the Kaiju Kingdom's Coffers, where we are looking at, <coughs> excuse me, a little dry throat. Um, we'll, we'll be looking at cool stuff. It's not, um, it's not an, um, it's not an unboxing video. It's not quite a toy review. It's going to be a lot of cool stuff that Jessica and I have come across over the years, books, comics, toys, and many other like, uh, wild things that come from places where men dare to dwell. So <clears throat> watch out for that. And going forward, uh, we will be implementing soon a video portion of this show uh we're still working on it and there might be some uh we're, we're still figuring it out when we figure out what the video portion is going to be of these podcasts that we're doing uh we will let you know uh that is should be coming by the end of october so big changes are afoot here at the kaiju kingdom podcast again uh, I just realizing it is our seventh anniversary as we record this because Jessica and I sat down second week of October in back in 2013 or I'm sorry back in September again it is late I'm sorry and um, yeah we we cranked out that first episode it was uh, again it was all her her idea uh, I don't I, to this day I'm still like really you you want to talk monsters with me she's like yes I'm like. I am not going to question this. I am just going to go along with it. And it's been a fantastic ride thus far. So, again, thank you, Jessica. If it wasn't for you pulling me aside at that wacky interview we did with Carrie Elwes, none of this would be happening today. Oh, well, no. I figured, like, we have such great report. And so I figured. And you liked all the same things we did mm -hmm. and was, like, really extroverted. And you were able to sit with me outside eating in the cold teddy rest in heaven mm -hmm. just staring up at you from underneath the table with his black soulless eyes mm -hmm. i yeah. knew that you had to be like a great co-host that was gonna deal with that and that was just pre-planning yes so in that time uh you, i mean we've the show's done a lot we've met a a ton of of very important people that uh, are big big parts of our lives now um i've done some traveling for this show that i never thought i would um i got to go to places i never in a million years would have ever thought i would have gotten to go so you know this is just me saying thank you again jessica and thank you to everybody who's been who's been with us since day one and those who keep who have come in uh, on a recommendation or just came across it uh every time we're at shows and we you know talk and people are like eh, i love your show like thank you it means the world to us because for the longest time, this, I, I know a lot of you know, like, there have been times where episodes have been sporadic. And uh, we appreciate you uh, bearing with us on a lot of those things. Because, again, we don't get paid for doing this. And we both, uh, for a while, I had a day job. Jessica has projects that she does for, you know, her stuff. So, uh, sometimes this show has to take a back seat. And I do my best to get new content out there for you people. And, um, and Jessica tries her best to get on when she can. But, again, life does get in the way. So, again, thank you, everyone, for uh, for for sticking with us and coming on. Thank you. And there's, there's a... 
there is so much more to come. And I wish I could tell you right now, but that would spoil the fun for later down the line. So on that note, that will do it for this edition of the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. For myself and Jessica, thanks for listening, guys. See you next time.